Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I'm the worship pastor here at Compass Point, and today with me across the Zoom is lead pastor Paul Eastwood. Hey, how's it going? It's going all right. Uh, there's some snow outside right now, which is exciting. I am glad for um, the weather to change from gray to something else, to be honest. Uh, but we're not here to talk about the weather today. We are here to talk about the sermon on Sunday, our series on waiting, uh, and the church in Thessalonians, and what Paul had to say about it. Not you, but the apostle, of course. So, Paul, why don't you give us a little intro? What were you talking about on Sunday? Um, yeah. Right. We're, we're continuing in our series on uh, the book of Thessalonians. And the reason that we're in this book is because we're exploring this idea of waiting. And what I talked about on Sunday was uh, I reminded us that when Paul was writing this book to the church, this little church plant, he was writing in such a way that was describing this like bigger picture of God's redemptive history. And I know this sounds a little bit, you know, kind of, okay, now we're going to this, you know, kind of a a theological level and we're kind of taking it outside of the realm of like everyday practical things. But I think it really does matter that we understand this, that God's redemptive story doesn't end with Jesus and the resurrection. His redemptive story actually continues through, including right now, to the second coming of Jesus when all things are made right. The, the, the death and resurrection on the cross obviously begins this new way of relating with God but it also gives us an opportunity to to both demonstrate the kingdom and also, uh, you know, represent the kingdom well in this kind of now and not yet kind of way. So the, yep. Thess- the church in Thessalonians was in this time of waiting, and that's where we find ourselves as well in the same period after the death of Jesus, before his res- or before his second coming. So now mm-hmm. the question is, how do we do- how do we live our lives well in the middle of this? And so what I was trying to talk about on Sunday was moving into this idea of what does it mean to truly be in Christ? Because the Apostle Paul was talking about all of his ministry and what he was doing, but instead of, you know, taking leadership principles out of this passage, I wanted to look at his motivations because Paul said, hmm. I, I did these things in Christ, in Christ. And this is a sort of language that Paul uses a lot, actually. I think it's, um, I, I think I read that it's about 160 times that Paul uses this idea of in Christ or in the Lord or in him in his letters. And sometimes we gloss over to that phrase and we don't really think very much about it. But what he tells us is that we, when we've been, we, when Christ died, we were actually crucified with him and we Hmm. no longer live. And now we live a new life in him. So what does in him actually mean? And so we explored that a little bit as we looked at the way that Paul um, went through his leadership and then how it reflected on us. Um, all, does that sound confusing? Are we kind of getting no, into no, some I mean, weird territory there? I love you use the the term redemptive history. Um, and if that's a new term term for you, it is definitely more of a theological. You know, you get some big textbooks and start reading. No, uh, it, it's something that I think actually makes a really big difference because it uh, understanding understanding the story of the Bible well and understanding our place in it really affects how we live today, right? Exactly. It affects what the gospel means because the gospel is so much more than just a get into heaven free card. Exactly. Um, and that's, that's, I mean, if one of, one of my criticisms for the church and, and uh, the, the Western church in modern times is that sometimes we flip to that kind of simplistic escape the earth kind of mentality. And this, this series, I'm really excited because it's getting us into what does it mean to be in this place where we're waiting and how do we do that well and embrace this redemptive history? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you, you talked about 
in in First Thessalonians two, which is where we spent the time. Uh, Paul's work wasn't in vain. He'd spent all this time setting up this church, and and like most pictures we have of most human things in the Bible, right? It's kind of a mess. It's not going right as well as he would like. Um, and so so how do we like how do we understand both Paul the, this work and how it wasn't in vain, and then that that same kind of feeling that we get sometimes the work we're doing is it's just in vain. It's not working. It's not worth it. Yeah. That's, that's a great place to start. And what I would say is that what we saw in this passage was an example of Paul, not just looking to sort of the, the metrics that we would normally look to. He looked beyond to something larger. Mm. And so what he was saying was that, you know, my work was not in vain because he wasn't just thinking about his work or his actions. He was thinking about the bigger story. And, you know, like you said, it was a mess. Like Paul was, hmm. he like blew yeah. into town, caused this huge stir, so much so that he couldn't even stay for fear of being completely like killed and all kinds of stuff. And so he's basically like, you know, comes in and tells, it's almost like giving the, uh, uh, you know, giving somebody this like big juicy steak in the middle of like a huge pen of Rottweilers and then taking off mm. and saying, good luck, <laughs> you know, and running out the door. Yeah. yeah. Because it just goes, yeah. it just goes bonkers and the people are being persecuted and everything is going, you know, haywire. There is no church mm. planting book that has this as a way of, you know, accomplishing things. And so, yeah. so he, he, it's a failure. It's, it looks like a failure. But he says, my work wasn't in vain. Why? Because he was looking at the gospel, the bigger picture, and he was recognized that God was sure. moving in the middle of it. So this is what it comes to us as well. When we start thinking about our own work, the reason we can say my work is not in vain, uh, my health is not in vain. You know, some of us are, are dealing with some, some difficulties health-wise that are, you know, absolutely devastating. <clears throat> and you might be thinking, well, this is, this is a failure. It's not a failure. It's not in vain when we think about the bigger picture and recognize that God is continuing to move forward with his plans and his purposes. So mm-hmm. our, plan, our, our big picture thinking is how do we align what we're doing right now to the bigger pictures of God? And that's how yeah. we can kind of say, you know, my work is not in vain. When, when we sit there and we're saying, man, things are a mess. Life, my life is over. You know, this relationship didn't work out or my, you know, my work is terrible. I hate what I do. Um, what we're doing is we have our attention focused squarely on ourselves and whether yeah. or not we are winning, losing, succeeding, not succeeding, you know, whatever metrics we want to use. But this is what it means to be dead to ourselves and living in Christ is saying, okay, well, how would Jesus tell my story right now? Um, mm-hmm. How would he talk about my my failure or my pain or my job that I don't like or whatever it is? Right, yeah. Uh, and I mean, we you just saying this like, what motivated Paul, what was going on behind the scenes, um, and, and what, what was God doing? Uh, so how do we, how do we move our motivation? And, and I think like, I'm, I'm going to say, how do we move our motivation? Cause yeah. I, I will be quick to admit that my motivation is often not on what is God doing in my life right now? It's on, uh, I mean, here's a common motivation right now. Oh man, I can't wait until we're out of this pandemic and I can go on a vacation. I can get a break. I can take my kids somewhere else and give them to someone for a little while. Right. Right. There's all kinds of things that are motivating me to get through each day. Uh, how do we move these to be more, um, more like Paul's and, and more like Jesus's and more focused on what God is doing? Yeah. So I would start by saying one my first point, I had these, these three kind of bigger ideas. And the first one was yep. being guided by God's priorities, not our priorities. 
And mm. so, and this, this happened right at the very beginning of the pandemic as well. There were a lot of people saying, how do we get through this? How do we, you know, maintain, or how do we get to the other side of this or whatever? I think that not enough of us, including myself at times, were asking the question, what does God want to do in the middle of this? And so, you know, for us, instead of thinking ahead to that vacation or what comes next, you know, perhaps we could be asking this question over and over again, you know, God, what do you want to do in the middle of this? You know, we're in, Mm -hmm. we're in some strange times right now. What are your priorities here and how can I help you accomplish them? So it takes some time, you know, connecting with God, Um, you know, it takes some time in prayer, it takes some time, you know, focusing in on what he's up to. And saying, okay, I'm not going to put my perspective first. I'm going to um, actually just uh, say, okay, what is what is God's priority here? I use the example yeah. on Sunday of like, you know, setting our compass to that. So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I think there, we, you know, it's like the true north is is God's priorities in the middle of this, and it's not easy. Yep. Some of us are better at orienteering than others, um, mm-hmm. but it takes some time of like pausing, reflecting, saying, okay, what are these things that I'm looking forward to that are 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 based on my own self-interest and what are these things, you know, like, you know, looking at the bigger picture. Yeah. Which is also a great, great reference and homage to our church name, right? Compass point. Uh, yeah. What is it? What is it God's doing? How do we align ourselves to those things? Yeah. And I, th- I, um, you know, and I yeah. use the example of the fact that Paul, Paul often said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so yeah. what we see in the person of Jesus was someone who had his priorities completely set on God and what he wanted, what his, what his father wanted. Talked about this idea of like, you know, you can read in the Bible about him resolutely setting out towards Jerusalem. He knew that he was going mm. to die and he moved towards it. Um, you know, there are other examples in Mark chapter one, one of my favorites, where there's all these people who need to be healed. And Jesus leaves in the morning and starts to head in a new direction. And his disciples go and find him. And they're like, what are you doing, Jesus? Are you, are you crazy? There's people that need to be healed. There's so much work to be done. And Jesus said, no, I've come for another reason. And so he heads off in a different direction, always reorienting himself, uh, making sure that he was completely focused on God's priorities in the middle of everything. Yeah, that's that's so good. Now, I, I want to take a minute. Um, I, like I often, rightly or wrongly, get this picture in my mind of someone who's always, always talking about God and what God is doing as not like it's not necessarily an appealing picture, if I'm honest. Like this is the kind of person who has Thomas Kincaid paintings all over their home, and uh, mm-hmm. you know a a coffee mug with with the Bible verse on it, and and you know like they're can can you paint a picture for me of what this person looks like? Because I don't I don't uh, I think what I'm trying to say is my my impression is often these people are disconnected from reality and they're kind of like soft and gentle, but in a naive and like really, really unappealing way that, um, that I, I think scares some people and kind of is like, Oh, I can't be like that. It, what does it actually look like to do this though? And and what, well, maybe I could ask you, a yeah, question, paint a picture. What, what do you think is scary about it? Maybe that's the question that I think, you know, that, that maybe we need to be asking ourselves is what is, yeah. what of the, of that picture are we afraid of? Sure. And I, I think, uh, so I'll go both positive and negative. I think the the positive of that that I probably shouldn't be scared of is this like complete um complete lack of care for what the world thinks and what the people around you think. Uh, I think following Christ does does kind of lead us to this point where it's not we're not trying to gain approval of others. Um and and on the other hand, right, there's part of what scares me and what I don't like about that is there's this complete lack of awareness of the world and what the world thinks. And on that hand, we actually do need to care how 
how we carry the message of Jesus and how it impacts others and how they can see love in our lives. Yeah. Um, which is, it's hard. And, and I don't think, you know, we, we, we put love together with this kind of hallmarky pink floral arrangement version of love that the media has fed us for years and years uh, at times. And I think love can, love can be, um, yeah. I mean, love looks like a cross sometimes. Uh, love, love looks like, uh, suffering. It looks like things that aren't soft and floral Yeah, uh, and not that th- those things can't be there, but I think that's, there's, there's part of me that reacts against that kind of simplified and, and probably shallow version of the gospel that's, that's played out in, you know, caricatured in, in TV shows and other things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think, I think there is, there's a couple of things at play there. I think that number one, I think it is, it is generally distasteful for most people to, to think that they don't have control over their own lives. Mm. Um, you know, I remember having a conversation with someone and, you know, who was not a believer and and we talked about this idea, like what, what is a Christian's goal in life? And, and I would say, you know, to glorify God, you know, and, and, and almost it was like something didn't compute, you know, in their mind, right? It was this weird, like, wait a second, like, what do you mean? Like, no, it's, you know, how, yeah. why, like, we need to think about ourselves, right? And so any, any kind of move towards, you know, letting go of ourselves and thinking bigger, you know, can often look a little bit, um, um, it can look wrong to us, I think, for a lot of us. Yeah. Uh, and it sure. kind of gets us into this place of like uncomfortableness because it's like, no, 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 yeah, I get that. We need to do this, but we also need to look after ourselves or we also need to do this. And and that's, yeah. I think, yeah. like and, it, and it's, I mean, in some ways it's the American dream plus Christianity, right? The pursuit of happiness. We kind of still, like I, I heard it said once talking to a friend of mine who was doing uh, family ministries and he said, you know, we asked our parents at our church, what is it they want from their kids? And like, everyone said they want their kids to be like safe and stable and to grow up happy and secure. And it's like that, that actually isn't the biblical dream for any of us. Right. And, and, and not that, not that those things can't happen, not that you can't follow Jesus and also have safety and, and have God provide and find much fulfillment and happiness. But if we put those things as the ultimate things, we're going to be led astray, which is, it is an affront to the American dream, which is similar to the Canadian dream, right? It's uh well, I think it, it it looks different. Yeah, and and I think I think that um you know maybe an example of like what does it look like? You know, you asked that question which I think is a very good yeah. one. You know, maybe that that you know the when how many people go to work and they're thinking to themselves either you know how am I going to get through the way how the day or how am I going to get to the weekend yep. or they're thinking how am I going to take that next step? What do I need to do in order to get to you know to become the next this or to you know to mm-hmm. get promoted or to you know, move off that job or what do I need to do to find something else or whatever? All those kinds of things can, can go into our mind. How many of us go into work thinking, okay, God, what do you have for me today? And I think that's the difference. And, and I think that more of us are on the former, like where we spend a lot of time and mental energy thinking about, you know, how am I going to get ahead or how am I, uh, you know, not going to lose something here or how am I going to, you know, and we have all of these Mm -hmm. questions that are going on rather than asking that question, okay, God, what do you have in for, what do you have for me today? Yeah. So again, I think it's about regular check-ins and about, you know, and, and, and certainly we don't want to be doing it so that other people, you know, for the sake of other people, Paul was really clear about that. Um, mm-hmm. But I know someone who, 
who was um, actually struggling with something with a with a health issue and couldn't get wait to get back to work because in their mind they were they they said I know that it's important for me to live out this sickness in front of my non-believing friends so that they can see mm. how much peace God gives me in the middle of it. So mm, that cool. to me is living with the gospel in mind. That's living in yep. Christ. And I think in those places it 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 brings down the fear and it brings down the anxiousness and it brings down a whole lot of other things that we struggle when we start to focus on ourselves. Yeah. And I, I think it's really important to, to mention here, and we won't get into this because I've got some other questions before we wrap up. Um, but I, I think one of the reasons we talk about prayer and we talk about habits and we talk about kind of practices in our lives so often uh, is this is how you do it, right? We we know as believers, it's not we're not trying to get it right so that we can be right before God. Jesus has done that for us and we we can't ever get things right. But the only way you can learn to focus on these things is to practice them regularly. Uh, it's it's like a it's like when you you know when you're in a dating relationship. What is it you want to do? You want to spend time with the person, uh, and these practices help us spend time with God. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's let's go on. You you talked a little bit about rights and responsibilities. Yeah. Um, and and you kind of gave us a really good and strong uh, reminder that that we need to care more about our responsibilities than our rights. That we shouldn't be um, fighting for our rights. So my question to you is, how does that play out uh, when we're also called to be people of justice and to fight for or bring rights to others? So take the work of International Justice Mission, which you know works to abolish slavery around the world, um, fighting yeah. for human rights. What? Like, where is that line between fighting for human rights of someone else and fighting for human rights for myself, or not human rights, but political rights or the things that I believe in? Yeah. So. Uh, great question. And I, I think we have to be careful that we we don't hear something like that. You know, some I talked about this on Sunday and there are some people who will will say, yeah, I agree. Don't fight for that. But you do fight for this, you know, like and those mm. kinds of things come up. And I, I think sometimes, you know, when we think about the the Bible has this language of, um, uh, you know, at time there's 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 military language when it comes to our faith, um, you know, talking about yep. being a soldier and some of those kinds of things. And I think some of those illustrations were very pertinent to the people at the time because that's what they were in the middle of. And I think that's mm -hmm. an important way to describe things. We have this idea that our responsibility is to help advance the kingdom. And so in our mind, sometimes mm -hmm. this idea of advancing the kingdom means that I have to fight like a soldier, I have to fight to advance the kingdom and I have to push out the darkness and, you know, and bring in the light. Yep. What I would say, and I think, I think Bruxy Cavey said this, um, and so I, I want to give him credit, but it was something that was really important for me is that our calling as followers of Jesus is not to fight against people, but to fight for people. And there's mm -hmm. a big difference. And I think that if, if we, if we bring those ideas and things that we're thinking about down to that level, that's where it starts to get interesting for us. You know, I believe that there doesn't, I don't see in scripture uh, a, a command for us to fight um, in that sense, other than, you know, to, okay. to care for the orphan and widow and to serve those other people. I think there's definitely a calling for us to serve and there's definitely a calling for us to be bold. But what that means, though, in my mind, is that, yes, there are times where we have to stand up for the rights of those who are oppressed. We have to stand up for racial injustice. We have to stand up mm -hmm. for, you know, some of those different things that we've been talking about. But it doesn't mean that we are to fight against people. 
And I think that's where sometimes we we start to get into this this thing where, okay, my job is to begin like is to, you know, fight against the authorities who are, you know, who are leading this or whatever. And that's where you you we we've seen some armed insurrections even, right? Where people are We have. where people are violently opposing people because they see yeah. those people as representing something beyond that. Mm. And I think that as, you know, followers of Jesus, I think um, you know, maybe I'm not getting my history right. Um, you know, I haven't sort of double checked this, but I, my understanding okay. is that Christians, um, uh, you know, did spend time uh, in the early, you know, very, very early history where they were, you know, going through garbage dumps where um, where mm-hmm. people would actually leave babies because they uh, they would discard them because they weren't, you know, born in a particular way. Perhaps they had some defect. Perhaps they were a female, whatever it was. And Christians went into those places and took the children and adopted them and cared for them and loved them and and, and had them grow up in the Lord. And, yeah. and, and so what I would say is those examples seem to exemplify what Jesus would have done is continue mm-hmm. to care for those who were oppressed and to, and to, you know, to, um, to, you know, go out for like to work for injustice. What we often see in the Bible is that God says that his wrath will be his and that justice mm. is his and that in the end, justice will be served. But it's not my responsibility. Yep. You know, certainly I need to use the law to, you know, to protect kids, you know, or protect the, you know, the vulnerable. But yep. my job is not to punish those who are um, who are working like going against those people's rights. My job yeah. is to love the people who are being oppressed in the midst of it. Mm. That's a good word. Uh, well, amazingly, we're at our 20 minute mark. Do you have any closing thoughts for us? I know we didn't get through everything on Sunday, but that's the way these conversations go. Yeah, there's so much more to have a conversation about, um, but we can yeah. keep talking about this next week. We're going to be in Thessalonians for a little while, um, yep. you know, but I would just, I would just say, you know, the, the thing I would want to remind people of is, you know, is is your does your life match the message um the good news of mm. Jesus is what you're doing matching this beautiful picture of the gospel um that represents grace and love um and all of those good things so um yeah you know that's one of the things i think we can continually ask ourselves am i putting myself you know into the bigger perspective of allowing god's priorities to guide my life and then secondly, mm. is what I'm doing today advancing this good news and matching the message? Or am I doing things in a way that's actually detracting and sort of separating myself from the good news of Jesus? Yeah, I love that. Um, and we will keep talking about it more next week. Thank you for listening along as always. If you've got any questions, especially if you're reading along through Thessalonians with us, we would love to hear them and engage any pushback, anything. Um, yeah, we really enjoy these conversations with each other and enjoy bringing you into them when we can. So we will talk to you next week here with more Postscript. Postscript.